Does it feel like they're unbeaten in nine? Doesn't feel like they're unbeaten in nine. We'll explore the studio space on that on this week's edition. The Owls AmeriCast, Sheffield Wednesday Opinion with an American Accent. I'm your host, Jeffrey Paternostro, and I am back on the dark beer this week. One of my favorite porters, the uh, Collective Arts Stranger Than Fiction. Collective Arts, I guess they're brewing out of Wisconsin now. They're based out of Ontario. They have some of the best can art of any beer you will see. And they have made a lovely, uh, very dry and roasty six-ish percent porter that I enjoy whenever I can find it. Always a joy to find on this podcast in New Jersey is Patty Jones. Patty, what are you drinking? Evening, Jeffrey. Uh, I've got another diet beer too. I have got a new diet beer, to me at least, um, the Dogfish Head Camp Amp. Uh, it's a part of this new art series they've got. Um, it's a milk stout beer with graham crackers, cinnamon, marshmallows, and cocoa powder with vanilla. And I have to say, after all those exciting ingredients, mm. I can't taste any of them. Um, I See, I do bland. find that like the marshmallow in beer trend recently is not something that I love. It tends to like, like have that sort of like chemical, tiny, hot chocolate marshmallow taste to it. There's a very, it's, very it's, faint marshmallow thing at the end, but uh, mm-hmm. it's, you know, we spoke last week about left, left hand milk stout. Yeah. That's a creamy, sweet uh, yeah. stout. There's no cream to this. There's not much sweetness. It's just very bland. Mm. Unfortunate. Mm. Also on the line this week, in New England. Sorry, New England L. Justin DeSorger. Justin, what are you drinking? Hey, Jeff, thank you so much because the last thing that Patty said is it's kind of bland. <laughs> and I suppose I was putting the ball on the tee for you. So thanks for not setting me up for that one. I'm super disappointed <laughs> I don't have a stout or one, one thing we know about right you, Justin, now. you are never bland <laughs> on this podcast, depending on how much vodka uh, you've that's had. That's fair. That's fair. I've had no vodka tonight. Uh, just some, uh, let's be honest, uh, some mezcal. Uh, mm. But uh, no, I am drinking uh, Shoveltown Brewery again. Um, I stopped by my friend Lindsay's house and her husband enjoys a beer exchange every time I can uh, come through there. And he hit me up with a Shoveltown Cape House, uh, which of course is appropriate for us, dry hopped ale. Um, I'm going to read the description real quick because I have no palate. It's brewed with wildflower, honey, wheat malt, and dry hopped with mosaic hops. Notes of guava and grapefruit on the nose with a crisp honeyfish finish. A great choice for easy drinking with a great pop presence. And I'll just say my usual review. It's good. Also good, sort of. Wednesday's performance? <laughs> sort of. We I'm being nine, right? We, yeah, we will review the Plymouth and... Harrogate Cup fixtures, cover the Wednesday news, and then preview the Gillingham and Plymouth games. We will every week. It feels like we'll preview Plymouth, <laughs> but we'll start with a review of Plymouth, a nil-nil draw at seven fifteen. I did actually get up for this because the baby got up around six twenty on daylight savings time day, so I was up anyway, and I fired up the old ESPN Plus, and I watched all of it. And I have some regrets, but I do have a thumbs up, and my thumbs up is. You know, all in all, it was a pleasant enough game to watch. I saw a lot of grousing on Wednesday Twitter about, oh, yeah, now the national TV audience knows what we go through every week. And yeah, like, look, was it the best game of football I've ever watched? No. 
but I thought for a nil nil, like it was perfectly fine. It was pretty open. Both teams had chances. There were some nice passages of play here and there. I wasn't like, you know, questioning my life choices while watching it. I, I thought it was, it was fine. I thought Wednesday certainly played better in this game, the last Plymouth game, and because Plymouth really didn't seem interested in pressing them at all. <laughs> but yeah, it was fine. Um, would have liked. Uh, it's a little weird to me, I guess, that it did get a little more open the last fifteen. But I can't imagine either of these teams wanted a rematch, given you know both where both of them are in in the table at this point. You just don't want another fixture in ahead of the crowded holiday period. So. A little weird to me. It didn't get a little, I got, it got open enough for Lewis wing to sky one over the top, which we'll get to in my thumbs down. But yeah, uh, I, I thought it was a look I've watched worse Wednesday games this year. I will watch worse Wednesday games this year. So all in all for a, for a lazy Sunday morning when I was half awake, it was perfectly fine. Where the threats for Wednesday did come from Patty. It was the, uh, the center backs attacking. Chris Wilder-esque uh, mm. overlapping centre-backs, uh, especially Liam Pamo. I think Neither of them are actual centre-backs, for sure. <laughs> yeah. But at least we use them to advantages rather than disadvantages, I suppose. Um, Liam Palmer, I think, had probably one of his best games for us in that position. Um, constantly overlapping, uh, even overlapping Patterson, wasn't it, on the right? So he was, he was playing. Underlapping. There's a huge debate Und- within the... Within the community uh, that worries about things like this, I call nerd. that an underlap. What fucking Sorry. community is this? The nerd community. Yes, yes, sir. Where is this huge debate? Show me to the huge I debate. Did, I did enjoy. I did enjoy uh, Callum Patterson playing centre back for various stretches of the time, <laughs> and that was fun. Just watching Palmer bomb past him. Yeah. Uh, well, the funny they yeah. weren't they weren't pressing up on Palmer or Johnson at all. So they're just kind of like, well, well, I'll carry it another twenty yards, and they're both capable of doing that. So. It was a very you, you you hit it straight away, Jeff. At the beginning, it was a very different Plymouth team than what we yeah. saw uh, in the league at home. Um, they didn't press nowhere near as much, um, uh, and that gave us that freedom and uh, gave the defenders that we are playing, or at least uh, the players that we are playing in defence, uh, good opportunities to move forward. And some of the best uh, attributes that we're getting out of these uh, makeshift defenders is their distribution, right? Uh, you're not going to get centre-halves naturally having the same level of passing and running ability as Marvin Johnson and Liam Palmer. Uh, and while we've got this makeshift defence, let's make the best of it. And uh, while we play against teams that aren't necessarily that good going forward, may we live to tell the tale and uh, still keep clean sheets. <laughs> well, I thought that was super interesting because I, I saw it a couple of times in the first half, Palmer stepping forward it was very direct and and inside of patterson which is sort of the line of uh underlapping instead of overlapping right coming to the inside uh and doing it but i think this was uh you know you gotta actually give darren more credit i i think this was a, a tactical play that he made uh i also was super surprised that plymouth didn't press because they just dominated us uh the first game with their with their pressure. Um, I don't know how much Ryan Lowe cares about a game at home versus a game on the road or a cup game, but they didn't bring that pressure. And once they didn't, what, what they were actually doing was keen on our wingbacks. They were trying to take away our width. Uh, they wanted to take away Cam Berry. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, Corbino. And, uh, you know, I thought they did a good job of crowding him, even though we were getting the ball to him. 
And they would have loved to have taken away Patterson, but Patterson was dropping that far back and that opened up all that space for Palmer to run forward and move the ball through. So, you know, how much of that was, you know, Darren Moore recognizing what Lowe was doing and adjusting, I'm not quite sure, but it certainly was effective. And, and Patty, as you point out, um, if you're going to have, you know, two outside center backs uh, going forward, there's far worse than Marvin Johnson and Liam Palmer in this league. Better than uh, Chris Morgan and uh, who was the Sheffield United centre-half that used to maraud forward in the wilder days? Basham. Uh, Basham. Basham. They had a couple. Yeah, they had a couple that were very effective. Um, but yeah, it felt like it was something that just fit right for the game. I'm not, I'm not quite sure I'm ready to complain about this. I, I think that I'm tired of the 3-5-2, but let's see it for a little bit longer. Let's get everybody healthy before we see what this what this goes. But yeah, we don't know if it's a tactic the, or, a, or, a, or a kind of thing that's just a thing we have to do because of the personnel we have. Right yeah. Now. Yeah, I, like I said, I, I'm going to put a pin in it and, and hold off until we kind of get uh, everybody back and see why more has clearly switched this 3-5-2 for the last month, more or less. Well, they haven't lost playing it. So, <laughs> so right. No, it's tough to... Tough to complain. I, I saw somebody on uh, Wednesday Twitter that I follow who I don't always agree with, but I, I think knows the game. Uh, <laughs> raised the point afterwards. He said, uh, how in the hell are people complaining about a 4 nothing win? <laughs> this was the Harrogate game. But, you know, there's always, there's always something, right? Yeah. Justin, your thumbs up are the subs. Yeah, I so... I didn't think we were very effective going forward for uh, most of that first half. And, you know, let's say most of the 60 minutes or so. Um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't I did not really... think Verhino had a good game, which is weird no. that Gregory came off and he didn't. But No, and, you know, Jeff, earlier, your, your thumbs up was the idea that it was an enjoyable game of football, mm-hmm. that it was, you know, there was back and forth. I, I thought it was back and forth to the final, say, 20%. Right. The, the, the middle of the game was pretty open. Neither team had any real challenges or real chances for the most part. Um, but I thought after the substitutions came in, um, Fizz was big and, and it allowed Corbino to be more direct, too. And it was just getting the ball and turning up field and, and driving through them. And that was, you know, Palmer brought it all game. But. I, I thought that we played much better after the substitutes. I thought we were far more attacking. I thought we were more threatening. I thought we had better opportunities um, to do so. And in fact, I felt like it affected our defense as well. Uh, not so much our defense, but our defensive midfield, who, you know, I, I thought there was a lot of space in front of the back three for most of the first half. And, and after that, um, and once we kind of, turn more direct uh it it wasn't really an issue uh we were able to push the ball up the field and keep them from getting into that space in front of our back three who as we know are you know a little shaky at times yeah it didn't didn't really matter in the in the harrogate game at that point but i thought when fizz came out in the harrogate game too it really sort of reshaped the the midfield i have noticed last two games he's gotten much better at picking the right pass more quickly. Like if the pass is there, he's much better distributing the ball. And if it's not, he'll just like bulldoze people. It's fine. Yeah. How old is, how old is Fizz? He's 20. I think. I think he just turned yeah, 20 this I, year. 
this this is his first year of getting regular full team yeah. football. So to see him, oh, well, I guess we'll talk about it in the news, right? Yeah. But you know, over the course of the last six weeks, start to get more playing time and and figure out, you know, how to alter his game to fit in at this level. Um, nice to see. Not nice to see our thumbs down. Uh, and mine's the finishing. Uh, I mean, look, I, Plymouth wasn't really any better, but you know, Wednesday had, I know Lewis Wing had several opportunities to put goals away. And like, look, he's not a natural finisher, although he's scored a couple of nice goals this year. And I know his chance at the death was not like it wasn't an easy technique, but you would have at least liked him to get it on target at that point. And you know, it continues to be a trend. I mean, a year over year podcast long trend at this point, that once they just aren't clinical enough consistently in the, in the final third, even when they can create chances. We need to play more league two squads in a pizza yes. cup. That's, yes. uh, that's okay. No, you know, you know, even the, that, that chance play wing at the end, when you saw the ball coming in, you saw where he was, hmm. I'm on my feet screaming for him to get there he has to try to one-time that yeah that was that ball was placed for him and you know what if he tries to one-time that and boots it into Ro- rosie or rosette as uh our friends across the pond like to say uh everybody understands that's a difficult play but the fact that he waited has created a tougher angle tried for to him play too, it. Yeah. yeah it really did it made it harder and then he's trying to like side volley a waist high bounce it just you know, you're not going to hit that. You're better off just going hard for it and, and trying to put it in. I think to me right now, I feel like he's a player without any confidence that's just been asked to get out there yeah. and work through it. And, and and to be fair, he puts a shift in every single game. He puts a shift he's in. Working. I, I yeah. thought he was actually uh, just nothing, okay. Nothing's like, up for him right overall, now. I thought he was okay in the Argyle game. Like, I thought he picked some night passes, like, created some, you know, he did what you kind of want him to do, right? Pick the little pass outside the area, find channels, distribute well. You know, he obviously has ability. I think we've, we've certainly seen that. It's just, it hasn't quite come together for him. And some of that might've been, that might be the shifting midfield alignments over the first few months of the season and being asked to play slightly out of position at times and, and drop a little bit deeper. But yeah, it's never quite come off for him. And it's, it is one of those positions that's also thankless, but when, it isn't coming off for someone in that spot. It's very noticeable. <laughs> no, I think you both got the right of it. I, I think that it's, it's uh, I, I don't think he's being put in an advantageous situation. And however much that is affecting his confidence, I, I think, Patty, I think you're dead on. I, I think a confident player takes that cross on the first and steps into it, right? And whether he misses or not, he, he goes for it instead. You know, he hesitated and, and wasn't quite there. I, I said at the beginning of the year, I, I thought Lewis Wing was maybe the best signing that we have. I, you know, he obviously hasn't lived up to that billing, but as I keep harping on, it's it's a long season. And I I would love to see him get some confidence back because I think Lewis Wing could do a lot of damage at this level. Well, Justin, as your thumbs down suggests, very uh, bad and yelling at him might not help. Yeah, no, I, you know, uh, I'm apparently the, you know, designated shit on our captain and club legend guy, because uh, it happens. But 
it I was, it was noticeable was. in the Plymouth game, like in a way that. So I'll be honest. I didn't, I didn't notice it. Like I, I think there's a lot of like flapping of the arms does. and, you know, this is what he does. Right. And, and, you know, that's a style of leadership. Right. And it's certainly one that is, you know, understood uh, within this sport and, and, and other sports yeah. too. Um, but my, the thing that I thought was fascinating was a debate erupted on Twitter when whoever was running in our socials put that out there and said, Hey, you know, Baz yelling at people again. Great. You know, eight minutes in the game. <laughs> and no, there was a lot of pushback. People saying, Oh, he can't do anything wrong. Uh, you know, he can't do anything right rather uh, if he's, you know, not run it. But a lot of the, the thing that people kept coming back with was, well, he's our captain. And, and my thought on that is, why is being a captain mean screaming at people? And, and I don't, as I mean, it who, might in certain situations, right? Well, what, so here's the thing, but too, you have like, to know what, what's going to motivate what the individual you, player what, and the team as a whole. hundred percent, hundred percent, Jeff, there's no doubt about that, but like, what are you screaming? And I, I just think, I think the attitude that a lot of fans have, is that that's what they want to see, right? They want yeah. blood and thunder and piss and vinegar. And if you're not screaming, it means you don't care or you're not involved. Through and, I, and I the, the crowd is that, screaming when whatever happens. But too, that's right? what that's what fucking fans do. If right. you're a fan, that's your job. You scream. If you're a coach, if you're a player, as far as I'm concerned, you need to be under control. You need to be. And I know, you know, Guardiola's out on the touchline and Klopp's freaking out and everybody loves it. Oh, he's motivating them. These guys are Diego Simeone, like literally trying to fight the entire uh, Real Madrid team at the end of the Champions League. (laughs) Yeah, listen, that's fine. He'd win too. (laughs) That that works for some people, but Mm -hmm. I, I think it's 2021. I think it's 2021 and you're dealing with athletes and a generation of players who are not going to be screamed at. They, well, they need something else. And if you're in the game, if you're a professional athlete and you need some fucking retired guy to scream at you to get the motivation to, to do something like, like I'll be totally honest. And again, I'm, you know, a, a poor amateur athlete and a poor amateur coach but I've been around a lot of sports and I've done a lot of stuff. And if my quote unquote leader is screaming and throwing his hands in the air, whenever something goes wrong, I'm not, I'm tuning that fucking dude out. Cause I, I don't need that. I, I don't need that. I'm, I'm a fucking professional. You know, here's the, here's the main problem with me. Like it's one thing if, you know, I'll, I'll use it you know, like Liam Palmer blows an assignment and it leads like it doesn't lead to a goal until it leads like a corner kick or a bad situation. He was like, Look, he gets me like, you gotta get your shit right. But most of the time when he's doing this, because people aren't passing him the ball. He <laughs> or they're not seeing the pass that he or they're made, not seeing yeah. And right? it's like that's like a different kind of thing, right? That's like a little divish. No, well, just, you know what? He bollocks, ahead, for, he bollocks people for not tracking and stuff too. Where people sure, yeah, no, he, I know he does. He, he yells and waves his arms around a lot. And again, I don't mean this. I, I know we've basically like been killing Bannon on the podcast for the entire season. And I don't, I don't mean to do that per se, but it does, you know, it's, 
it's kind of become noticeable, like to the point like it's like it's it's clearly it's been not no, working. It's, been right? it's not working is the thing, right? I came on this better. podcast and bitched about him being named captain years ago. So Patty, what were you gonna say? I, I think you were you were waiting. I, I've got the vibe that there's not a good vibe in the entire dressing room. I I from the Plymouth game, that's the one thing I took up from took from it was um I still don't believe that this group of players really want to play for each other. I don't get the vibe. This is a special group of people that all get along and all want to achieve promotion. I think they want to achieve promotion. Everybody think... pulling in the same direction. Yeah, I don't get that. And uh, Bannon's one of the problems. I'm not saying it's going to be the, the, the number one problem. Like, but the way that Patterson went off on, on Sunday, Patterson threw fucking the wall ball down as he came off the substitute bench. The fucking pick up first round. Chill out. I don't. I don't understand. <laughs> what, what do you? What, what do you? What do you? Uh, what do all of my British friends say? Throwing the toys out of the pram. Yeah, yeah. It was it definitely just, one of those. It feels like yeah. there's just a bad attitude. I mean, certain players, which is gonna uh, uh, pervade through to other players, it's not gonna really want to necessitate necessitate like going through a really good kind of team spirit. Um, and as Darren Moore, you've got to nip that in the bud. And I feel like. Yeah, I'm not getting good vibes as a squad. Uh, you can see a squad that love each other and want to play for each other. And it, it feels like they're on the edge always of breaking. That's, that's, a nine game, that's, that's a nine game unbeaten run as well. <laughs> Speaking of on the edge of breaking, Patty, your thumbs up was the defense attacking, your thumbs down is the defense defending. Yeah. Um, Sounds I, I right. I, I mentioned that I was very happy with the the way we distribute and, and move the ball forward from defence with these two uh, makeshift centre halves. Um, sadly, time and time again over the last nine games in some beaten run, it's it's by the hair of our like skin that we're looking getting by these games. Like we give away so many opportunities, it's it's like scary. The Harrogate game today was even worse. I mean, that's even more makeshift defence we had out against Plymouth. But essentially, at the moment, with Palmer and Johnson as the left and right centre halves, you, Dunkley's got so much work to do, and so far he's doing it relatively well. I think Dunkley had another good game against Plymouth. Um, it's just everywhere blocking everything. It's because he's covering, I think, either side of him at the same time. Because positionally, I don't think Palmer and Marvin Johnson are, are pulling their weight. Um, I mean, to be um, fair to them, why, like they don't know how to position themselves as center backs, right? Well, I think Palmer does it in a back two, in a, a center half two. I think it's difficult to yeah. give them the benefit of doubt here. Both of them benefit of doubt. I'm not necessarily blaming them. I just think this is our our our, um, our job here is to kind of critique the formation, and everything. I don't necessarily think that they've. It's going to take a while to them to learn where to be and what to do in this, in this position. Especially Marvin Johnson, it's, it's like his fourth game in this role. Um, yeah. Pa- Palmer less so. And it's just, it just feels like with so many gaps and so many opportunities we give the defend, uh, the uh, attack. And the only reason we're getting away with it is that the attacks are so bad that we're playing against. Uh, League and, one. Yeah, and that's, that might work for the entire season. I hope it does. But like I said previously... Uh, people, I mean, Marvin Johnson isn't doing anything like he's not making errors uh, that's noticeable. People are saying, "Oh, he's, he's had a solid game," but positionally, is he good? Is he winning headers? No. Is he like blocking people out sometimes? It just 
but we can't. Well, this is not, not a center back. This is not. Uh, this is not. A, this is not a set way to play on set team. We're playing every game in the season. Rest of the season. This is a makeshift defense, and it's playing like a makeshift defense. I I thought Patty. I, I thought the bigger problem against Plymouth was that we had no protection in front of them. Uh, again, when when Bannon is the last guy back, um, and you know, in all honesty, his you know Scottish Pirlo performance wasn't terrible on. Sunday morning, I, you know, he wasn't oh. bad at, at grabbing the ball and distributing, but in well, terms of was he would covering the for... space in the back three, it was not yeah. good, and that exposes you've got, you know, you've got Marvin Johnson and Liam Palmer back there. You you need some protection, and they were getting exposed. There were also probably like a half dozen occasions where they were turning into attack. They were in the opposing half, and like Bannon was calling for the ball, and they had to basically pass it back. 15 yards to Bannon because he's playing. See, he was he was already set up so deep to get him into the attack. Yeah, which again may of, not even be his fault, right? Yeah, no, like, but it, maybe, just, it was just it was just funny to be me where he's like, he'd like come up and it's like, you know, like whatever a Denneran or you know Palmer when he was bombing forward, and you know Bannon would try to join in the attack, but to like link him in, the ball had to go backwards 10 yards, and it was just well. Yeah. So that is the Plymouth game. They will have a replay in like, that's the other thing too. Like just conceded goals. You don't have to drive eight hours on a Tuesday, but <laughs> they, must, they must hate Lewis Wing for missing that chance. Right. Yeah. He should be like, I'm I, to drive a little bit. Yeah. I hadn't even thought of the distance. I, I kind of felt like, like, yes, we didn't want a replay. Like that sucks. They also want to stay in the FA cup. For a little bit longer like yeah. I, I think that's i think that's kind of important for you know just the locker room and the vibe and, and the fan base like imagine again you know we get through and we'll talk about this in the news you know the next week but if we're able to get past plymouth and in our next opponent you know you get into the third round proper and suddenly you're drawing i don't know uh you know leicester city at home like that's a big event we get you do that we get 33,000 people in Hillsborough and we make some money and we feel good about it. We, get on we TV still fucking you're talking about that Arsenal team. game. Yeah. yeah. Like I, I, I think that, that having a little run in the FA cup is Jimmy Vardy scores five goals against Liam Palmer playing <laughs> center back. <laughs> you know, uh, well, you know, but, but, yeah. but so be it. If that happens, I, I just think that the club could use a taste of, you know, we, we could use a little taste of, of an FA Cup, some FA Cup magic. So mm. I, I don't, you know, I, I'm, I'd rather I'd rather do the replay than take the loss. At this That's point. fine. But well, I hadn't considered the eight-hour drive. Well, you want to talk <laughs> Way about... Way down on the coast. You want to talk about Cup magic, Justin? Top of the group in the Pizza Cup after a 4-0 win against Harrogate. I mean, honestly probably the most undeserved scoreline in Wednesday <laughs> history. Uh, and a large part of that was my thumbs up, which was Joe Wildsmith, who, I mean, he made, certainly made a handful of nice saves. Positioning was pretty well. Uh, he positioned himself pretty well. Harrogate's finishing was not great. There are a lot of balls like right at his legs, but he was in the right spot. He w- he made good saves when called upon. I thought that he had a, like a really great virtuoso performance 
How, how often is your man of the match in a four nothing win? Your goalkeeper, <laughs> right? Like yeah. he was outstanding. His distribution was outstanding. The distribution was good too. Yeah. 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 He was. Yeah. I and I, I've been a Wildsmith. I've been on Team Wildsmith for for a few years. Um, I, I I was happy to see that. I, I thought he was outstanding today. And you know nothing more than the multiple saves and the ball goes down the other end and we score a third goal, right? Yeah. Like if that's two to one, who knows, you know, this team has been fragile uh, for five years. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, nothing, it could have been one, one at the half on four or five different occasions too. So, yeah. Yeah. No, no big ups to Joe Wildsmith. And you know what? Uh, really hasn't been bad this year. Nice to know yeah. that if we need another keeper, in fact, we're going to need one, Saturday, right? Because yeah. uh, Peacock Farrell's out on uh, international duty. So I'm glad to know that uh, Wildsmith's in good form going into a, a game that, frankly, will be way more important than. Yeah. And they had heard on commentary. <laughs> it, was actually, it was actually good that he could get a game in before the league game on Saturday, just because he's had, you know, a few games off at this point. So getting him into the rhythm. And he certainly, he might have had more to do with this game than I'll have against Gillingham. So. <laughs> get him uh get his rhythm up to speed patty your thumbs up uh you singled out the return of Massimo luongo and george byers but just nice to see them both on the field yeah. again i didn't expect them to be back into action and, it, and i mean obviously it's this is the next step up from an 23s game i suppose how it got down when you're coasting in the pizza cup yeah um but i i thought luongo was probably one of the only um classy performances of the night uh, it was a very um, kind of scrappy, haphazard kind of uh, performance, as you might expect from a team that's 10 changes in it. Um, uh, but Luongo remained the, just oozes class every time he's on the ball, right? He's, he's that guy. He, he's, he could be the new Kieran Lee, and also in the same respect that Kieran Lee gets injured all the fucking time. So does Luongo, because it's just oozes class. He, he, he picks out a pass, he dis- disarms attackers with such ease. Uh, he never goes to ground um, uh, and he, he just, yeah, picks out the right pass and he's box to box. That's what we need. Uh, just, I, just I, I will, I will sacrifice cows, goats, like cross all my limbs uh-huh. if he can stay fit for the rest of the season. I I'd consider a pinky toe. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I don't think yeah. that's like that's what the expendable. fuck am I using the pinky toe for? Yeah. That's such a great call. He was, he was so calm. Like you said, classy. And I think you're right. Like form is temporary classes forever. And, and I think that was it. He just, he didn't have to run around like a fucking idiot. He's good enough that he could just calmly go about his business and still be an effective player today. We've talked a lot on the show about how bad Wednesday are in the air. We talked about that buyer's header for the goal just like oh, yeah, the, the technique there is and they had a little the comment in the interview afterwards um the, the uh person interview afterwards said uh, do you score many headers he says i haven't scored headers since my youth days so it was nice to get that one <laughs> like, was, like, it reminded me a lot of the what the new hue header against rotherham but i think he might have even done it from further out he had a lot of work to do yeah it's like yeah. turn back a little bit it wasn't the best it was a good cross from show but it wasn't like perfect cross you yeah. have to kind of Angle it nicely. Right, just, put it right you, in the bottom you, corner. You can't mention that goal without mentioning Brennan's. Uh, ball oh yeah. yeah. Oh my god. Where'd that come from? It was a, a bananesque ball. That was. 
he got a taste for it. He tried another one like a few minutes later and it didn't, it came I, off. It didn't I come off too. quite as well. Yeah. <laughs> if, I, if I put that ball, I, again, this is what, you know, we give Bass a hard time, but you know, boy, man, when, when you, when you drop a, a, you know, 40, 50, 60 yard pass onto somebody's foot, like that's a good feeling. <laughs> we will round out the thumbs up and round out the midfield with Justin's thumb up, thumbs up for Liam Waldock. Yeah, solid, man. Like, uh, Jeff, you, you raised the great point that uh, off air before before the pod, but like he started a little slow. He looked a little hectic. Was trying yeah, he, like, he settled, gave the ball away pretty it. cheaply here and there. Like some of their early scoring opportunities came like bad, like short back passes or just getting harried off the ball and not having like a sense of the sort of the internal clock you need. But yeah, but, yeah I he grew into he, the game. The, quite the game well. was just moving a little fast for him. And I didn't expect him to be the furthest forward defender. I was a little surprised when I saw the lineup. Um, you know, and I thought maybe Byers would be a little more forward. I don't know. But Waldock had just in general, his I thought his distribution was well. He did a yeah. really good job once he calmed down of collecting a ball, turning up field, and moving it into space and he was bypassing multiple layers of their defense with some of his past he had that uh, that was him with that shot off the post right yeah uh early on that was a bomb from you know what are we talking 25 yards out um yeah just just nice to see he was so direct he would get the ball look for a runner and put it on the ground to where a runner would be and that's to me that's what I want out of an attacking midfielder, right? Either carry the ball yourself or very quickly find somebody running and put the ball into space. Um, so it's really nice to see. It, it kind of felt like this was a little bit of a big game for him in the sense that he's had an appearance here, an appearance there. He's been good at the under 23. He had a short loan, I believe, to yeah. a month long loan. Um, you know, he's really in that kind of awkward space of, you know, what is he going to be for this club? Um, and what I saw today was a guy who looks like he could uh, end up being a, possibly a contributing member of this club at some point this year. We do have to come up with thumbs down for a four nail win. And <laughs> mine is the team selection. And I will explain this. The reason... The score line certainly flattered Wednesday as the defense was downright shambolic. And I don't know. I am all for like, look, whatever they were through to the knockout phase of the pizza cup. This game didn't really matter. I'm all for giving younger players a run out, but I don't see how starting uh, a and Brennan, who, because Brennan's been on loan, haven't even played together in the under 23s. And then pairing them with your second choice winger playing center back in Jaden Brown is going to A, help them get their feet under them in first team football, get them a little bit of confidence. You want to, if you're getting these players into the squad for the first time, you want to put them in a position to succeed, right? We can think back to. Uh, it did succeed. It was four 0 Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Patty. Uh, but if when I think back to like, defense, uh, 
uh, Ergahide's debut. Like they put him in a otherwise full squad or an FA Cup game, and he was basically told like, "Don't go past the halfway line, man, Mark, do your thing." Like they were at like half the time, the under twenty three players had to cover for Jaden Brown because Jaden Brown's defensive positioning is not uh, what it should be because he's not a center back. Yeah. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So it was kind of, it was very kind of harried. There were huge gaps. Uh, You know, Harrogate was exposing them down the channels. They're exposing them on the wings. They weren't really clearing their lines. They weren't, uh, it was not an organized defense at really any point in time for, I mean, really until, uh, the stub started coming on around 60, 70 minutes. And, you know, once they were able to just, you know, counter to the point that it didn't really matter. It was also three, nothing at that point. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. listen, they made, they made 10 changes from their right. lineup. They put out the previous game, which was more or less a full strength lineup. Yeah, no, that, that's fine. And it just, it, it did like putting Liam Waldock in a midfield with Byers and Luongo, like, he can do whatever and buyers in the long go, well, you know, they're, they're savvy veteran, you know, championship level players, frankly. So yeah. And yes, Waldock made some mistakes, but once he grew in, you know, he had the ability to, as you said, you know, roam forward and pick a pass because he knows if he, if he gets cut off, he's got two veteran midfielders on either side of him. So I think, you know, and like, look, I get not starting Jay Dunkley. I, Jay Dunkley has been running around a lot covering for our other uh, <laughs> first choice wingers at center back over the last few games. So in, in giving him a, a, a game off and a, and a crowded part of the fixture schedule is, is all well and good. But I do think that, yeah, uh, it was a very kind of ponderous team selection. I don't know what he was trying to accomplish, but they won four nil. So <laughs> I guess mission I think accomplished. He was just trying to give him a rest, right? Like it, and maybe he didn't take into consideration some of the really good points you raised, Jeff. Right? Yeah. Like you want to, you want to bring these kids in and and let them succeed. And mm-hmm. instead, this is more like, hey, you kids, get out there, <laughs> you know. And, and it, again, it was league. I two, mean, and full credit to Harrogate Town. They they they, worked, they were solid. They, yeah, man. they were out. They worked hard. They all put in shifts. They were, you know, they were swarming Wednesday, hunting in packs. Yeah. Yeah, no, they really, uh, we, we mentioned again off air, the two uh, Diamond and uh, Patterson were excellent. And, and the kid that, that got injured and went off, Muldoon, was one of the guys mm-hmm. I mentioned in my preview. He's, he is solid. So a lot of credit to, to Harrogate Town. I, I think despite losing 4-0, um, I, I thought they were pretty good. I was kind of surprised they're, you know, that, that was a solid League Two squad. Right, Patty? <laughs> Jeff just froze. <laughs> yes. Uh, it was, I was really happy with the Harrogate, actually. I think I'm down to my um, thumbs down now, right? Which is essentially what Jeff just stole from me, the defence. Um, and I don't want to be too hard because it's Harrogate Town and it's Pizza Cup. I don't agree with Jeff's team selection thing. I think you need to play these players in this kind of games where nothing matters, but also it's competitive at least. At least you know that Harrogate's going to try against you. And they got a good test. They got fucking wave and wave of attack for a lot of that game. Um, and they didn't cope with it very well. So that's good notes from Darren Moore. That's what you're going to get from these kind of games. Uh, the best thing about it is they didn't cope very well, but they didn't concede any goals. So that's, that's what all it is. It's a learning exercise. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a 
slightly better than usual training exercise? Well, uh, I believe your thumbs up was the reason we didn't concede any goals, or was that Jeff's thumbs up? My thumbs up was long gone by us, yes, yeah. So we probably right, reason so why I didn't. It was Jeff's thumbs up, uh, which we'll steal from him now because he's not here. Uh, and that is uh, the play of Joe Wildsmith, right? Like the whole reason that game is a shutout was because of Joe Wildsmith. And frankly, might even be the win was because of Joe Wildsmith. Uh, they had multiple chances early. And then you had that situation with a series of saves at 2 0 that goes down the other end and we turn it into 3 0 on. Uh, you know, the beautiful goal from uh, Silla Sal. Um, you know, I thought Joe Wildsworth was outstanding today. He distributed the ball so well. He was calm. He was in control. Uh, he was aggressive, which sometimes Wildsmith, uh, you know, has hesitated in the last few years and felt uncomfortable. He came right out and got the ball on a couple of crosses. Um, you know, he made the saves when he needed to make them. Um uh, I thought Wildsmith was the reason why we had that shutout um, because, you know, I, I don't disagree with the idea of changing your lineup that comprehensively in a game that literally did not matter. Um, but, uh, you know, got to give credit to Joe Wildsmith. Jeff, you're back. We were talking about your thumbs up. I thought we'd already moved on to the thumbs down though. We panicked. You left us. You froze. So we went to all. This back is to a brand beginning. new computer, so it's going great. Yeah, we're gonna, <laughs> we, we started at the beginning again. We're going to do the whole Harrogate preview. <laughs> Jesus, we don't do well without you, Jeff. Lead us. Lead us forward. I think we're down well, to we can... Justin's last thumbs down. Yes, Justin, take us home. I don't remember what my thumbs down. League was. two thumbs down is League two. Yeah. Oh, for fuck's sake, smash a League <laughs> 2 side, all right? I'm sorry. That's it. I don't care if it's Pizza Cup. I don't care if you're making 10 changes. Like, Harrogate Town, if, if, that, if those two teams, if that game today played out 10 times, Harrogate Town wins three to four of those times. And that's more than, uh, you know, League 2 side who literally had never been in the fucking league until last year uh coached by the owner's son should do <laughs> yeah but again hey credit credit to all of them what a, what a great day out that must have been for for that family the whole family is a bunch of wednesday fans so to be able to come into and, and i didn't even realize i didn't mention in my preview but the manager uh steven was uh irving was uh he had been in the wednesday system uh he'd been there as a youth player and you know had been cut because he didn't quite make it um, so for him to, you know, be a kid growing up, dreaming of playing at Hillsborough under the lights and then to have the opportunity to be on that sideline, even though the crowd was small, although louder than I thought that many people would be, um, really good experience for them. I, I, I was glad we had this game. I'm, I'm going to keep a, I'm going to keep an eye out for Harrogate town and I'm going to root for them. Um, I liked what I saw from them today. They were well coached. They had some good players. Uh, Boy, Patterson and, and Diamond, if we're still at this level next year, I would love to steal both of those players to uh, to fill in. So, uh, yeah, I, w- I was thinking that too. I'm like, oh, can they get Diamond from Sunderland? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, Patterson had that run in the first half where he just yeah. grabbed the ball and ran 60 yards up the middle. Yeah. and everybody's backpedaling and paying and he actually made the right pass that somebody kind of screwed up. So I was, I was impressed. Um, 
You know, I, like I, I said, know good, that good for Patty's them. already annoyed we spent this long on these two games because he has stairs to paint or something. But I do want to <laughs> single out. Uh, I do sing out two other uh, things from the game. I thought Soso had a really good game. Uh, he he always seems to when when he's in the squad. I don't know why he doesn't get in the squad more, but obviously there. Now maybe he'll maybe he'll get some time at center back in the coming weeks. We'll see. Uh, I love to. You were, li- you were listening to the conversation Patty and I had while you were gone. That's yeah. aggressive. I loathe to prolong this fucking review any longer, but I agree with you. Uh, and I, what we were yeah. talking about earlier on was uh, off record. Was, Are you talking uh, about Joe Wildsmith? I wasn't gone that long. No, no, no. This no, before we off started record, recording. off record. We have, we've, we've done about three hours of recording at this way, Jeff. Um, <laughs> uh, so, I, I was comparing him to the chance that, say, the Birahinos had. And uh, I don't think it's very fair uh, that Berahino's had like twice as many opportunities as him because I feel like Lasso is impressed more than he has on the limited yeah. opportunities he's had. I get why we're persisting with Cider because uh, uh, Berahino because um, Moore has seen the talent in the past. It was only six years ago he's trying to sign Tottenham. Now yeah. he's scoring in the Pizza Cup against Harrogate Town. Uh, <laughs> I, I get why we're persisting, giving him minutes to try and get him back to what he was if we can ever rebuild him. Um, but at the end of the day, Silasso has not put much wrong in the appearances he's done. Uh, and for me, he's a, almost a similar player than Berahino. And yeah. he's a bit more clinical, a bit better feet, a bit faster. So I, for me, he's kind of the person on the shelf you want to bring in rather than Berahino at the time. And I do want to uh, tip of the cap to Adam Doyen too and his uh, debut. I don't... I've... I, I understand why the penalty was given on replay. It looked a little harsh. Like there was not. He harsh. grabbed his arm. He, he, grabbed his arm. he tapped his arm. I've had, I've had bigger. <laughs> he, 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 clipped, he clipped his heel. He there there his was heel. contact. There was contact. Yeah. Uh, and like, look, he got, he got, he got one side of him. He beat him to the ball. There was contact. Uh, that ref hadn't given anything all game, so I was a little surprised. That, uh, it was like a built up, built up, and it was like, yeah. I have to give something. Oh, red card penalty. Ah, splurge. But a uh, great penalty. That was for, a, uh, for a such kid, a for calm kid. penalty. He, he went First right over the goal. ball. He yeah. went right over the ball as soon as it was given. Like he wanted it. Yeah. He knew exactly what he was going to do. He sent the keeper the wrong way. So tip of the cap there. They noticed that our fans booed the referee for sending the opposition player off. Yeah. At that point. <laughs> <laughs> like sending when off. does that happen? <laughs> Boo! Sympathy for the player that got sent off. All right. Uh, that's enough of that. Probably more than enough of that. Take a break. We come back. We'll do the Wednesday news. Welcome back. Now it's time for the Wednesday news. And as a follow-up to last week's player of the month discussion, uh, Fizz won it. So there you go. So Adele Bashiru is your Wednesday player of the month. We mentioned him as one of the candidates along with Lee Gregory. So sure. Did we? He had a good I month. Thought, I didn't realize that we, I thought we kind of like dismissed him for playing enough games. Well, I guess I did. I mean, you dismissed this, yeah, the entire concept the of the player of the month vote for this month, Patty. Every, every month for the past five years, I've dismissed the Despite concept of player of the month. lose in the last month. Yeah. Why must we persist with rewarding failure? <laughs> so... That's that. More cup success as the under-18s advance in the cup with a 3-0 win over Burton Albion. More cup news. 
if Wednesday beat Plymouth on the return trip next week, they will face either Knott's County or Rochdale in round two. So the glamour fixtures just uh, just continue. Hey, I, I would love a piece of Knott's County. That's the oldest club in England. Like yeah. a little bit shorter like drive than Plymouth too. So also true. Um, yeah, I, I I love the history of you know that handful of clubs that are as old as us or, or perhaps a little bit older. Um, so to have that matchup, I think uh, I think it would be really I think that'd be really fun. And as you may have gathered from all three of them being in the match day squad for the Pizza Cup, uh, Liam Waldock, Brennan, and Render have all returned from their uh, short-term loan spells in the last week or so. Uh, and I mean, yeah, I'm obviously Wednesday need another center back, so <laughs> getting Brennan in is getting Brennan back in. And I always, I've always liked Brennan in the, the brief appearances that he's had in the first team squad so that will help bolster the ranks for the crowded upcoming holiday fixture schedule before we get to that there is the matter of a match with Gillingham this weekend take it away justin so <laughs> i uh i wasn't sure if i was going to be able to do the pod tonight uh, a friend of mine needed bodies for hockey or maybe needed some bodies for hockey we weren't sure i was going to find out last minute um either way i said that I would do the preview and uh, my comments on the uh, WhatsApp thread were Gillingham preview done dumb, dumb, shitty, boring team with Steve Evans. So not to be so, yeah, not to be so dismissive. I actually think this is one of those situations where the, the history of the club and some of the little side pieces are far more interesting, at least were to me uh, than the actual current club. So uh, is it Patty? Is it Gillingham or Gillingham? Gillingham. J- okay, so they're the Jills. <laughs> oh, that's that's a really good point. That's fucking the stupid. Ad- no, because they're called Gillingham. I think that might be pronounced Gills. I assume. Right, so then maybe they should be Gillingham. I don't know. Anyway, uh, to to dive into a little bit of their history, uh, they're they're from uh, Kent. Patty Kent is uh, Eastern uh, Southeast Southeast. Yeah. Um, They're the only league team from Kent. Um, So I I found this terribly amusing. I hate to shit on these clubs, but they're formed in 1893 as new Brompton football club. Uh, 1893 is a long time ago. So credits to them. They've been doing their thing for a while. They became, uh, Gillingham FC in 1912. They finally joined the Football League in 1920, which good for them. Uh, they were so bad they were voted out in 1938 and replaced by Ipswich, which is oh, if we have a uh, sad trombone special effect somewhere in this technology, please apply it after that hmm. statement. I prefer Ooh, that method get... of the MLS should go with that rather than Parallel. Let's go with the. We just go with the mouse. Yeah, we just we don't want we don't want podcast for like yeah. four years. So <laughs> just just brutal. Um, and then they get voted back in in 1950 when the league expanded from 88 teams to uh, 92 teams. So they they roughly uh, found their level fairly quickly. In that level is uh, where it is right now. They're a third tier squad. That's uh, that's about where they are. Um, 
couple of interesting notes from them in the seventies, they had a bit of success. They, they were up, uh, you know, they were, they're pretty good in the third tier. They produced both, uh, Steve Bruce and Tony Cascarino came through them. And my favorite bit of trivia that I think that I looked up from them is that they bought Tony Cascarino from a non-league side, literally for a set of track suits. <laughs> like, I was never the biggest Tony Cascarino fan, but that motherfucker played in World Cups. Like, he was a good player, and he was sold for a set of track suits. So it's about what we're dealing with. Um, kind of n- not quite as funny as it could be, given the way that football has been the last couple of years. They were in administration in 1995, and they were going to be gone. And then uh, Paul Scally, uh, perhaps Scaly, uh is a millionaire who made all his money from his photocopier business, which is the most 1980s thing ever. Um, bought the team, uh, pulled the Mandarich, bought them for a dollar, cleared their debts, and really turned them around, brought in Tony Pulis. And, and I think one of the biggest reasons that Gillingham is well-known was their uh, playoff final against Man City, where Man City had two goals in the last, what, five minutes of the game um, and ended up uh, winning it. Uh, but Gillingham was that close to going to the championship under Pulis. Pulis got the sack uh, that following off season. They were a little up and down. They spent a few years in the championship in the early 2000s, and they've since kind of settled into League One, which, you know, frankly seems to be where they belong. I will say this, and it's partially because I'm a huge fan of Stadia, um, they have played their entire existence in uh, Priestfield Road since 1893, uh, which I have a lot of respect for. Um, I think that's pretty awesome that they've been doing it. That said, uh, and this probably says a lot about the quality of football, three of their four stands uh, between when Scally bought the team in 1995 and 2000, three of the four stands were demolished and rebuilt. The fourth stand was demolished and not rebuilt. So in 2003, they put up a temporary fourth stand and uh, well, it's still there. So uh, it's like the temporary Jillian housing has, they built at my college that was still there when I, uh, when it was founded, that was still there when I moved in. So yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I don't think it's quite to the point of when uh, am I, am I making this up? Did Arsenal not have like a fake, wall of a stand for a little while uh either when they were fixing highbury or building the new stadium they had like they put up like a photograph of fans or something absolutely ridiculous so i'm, I'm looking forward to our game in gillingham so i can see this uh <laughs> temporary stand that has been there for 18 years um anyway getting to the current gillingham squad which is far less interesting Three wins, seven draws, six losses. That's good for 19th place in League One, uh, minus six goal differential. Uh, they uh, lost, and then they lost, then they lost, then they won, then they've drawn, then they've drawn. They also have a uh, replay in the FA Cup against Cheltenham next week, um, and they've already been knocked out of the Pizza Cup. So we're not getting much here. Um, however, uh, I would have... Actually, I would have nothing. I will skip this, and I will simply say my notes on their system read, 
433 parentheses 41212, which simply means they like to have a holding midfielder in front of their back line. And they like to have, even though it's three up front, it really is two up front with a advanced uh, midfielder. And then my notes said, fancies himself a tactician, does he? Referring to their manager. And uh, lump it long to Oliver, who is dominant in the air. That is literally all the tactics that I could find about mm. Gillingham. Yeah, well, we're, we're familiar with the way Steve Evans likes to play. So yeah. that's the beauty. We've got our friends. We'll, get, we'll get a good presser out of it, yeah. Oh, my God. So for, again, especially our American fans, anybody who wasn't familiar with the last time we ran into Steve Evans. Steve Evans brought Boston United um, up from the non-leagues uh, by illegally by, by totally legitimate means. <laughs> yeah, no, he like totally blew through FFP budgets and illegally signed people and was signing guys for, hey, you're on board for a hundred pounds a week. Um, but it was so egregious that he was suspended from the EFL for 20 months and was given a year-long prison sentence for tax evasion. Like, Steve Evans clearly is a scumbag when it comes to financial matters. Well, you say, as I would, uh, I'm not a capitalist, so I don't care if people are uh, scumbags with this. Oh, well, once he joined Rotherham, despite his uh, two promotions, he received a six-match ban and a multi-thousand-dollar fine for directing abusive language and behavior towards one of the female staff members at Bradford. Uh, not a classy guy. Uh, then he went to Leeds, which Bielsa aside means he's a complete scumbag. Um, although interesting note, I did recognize he gave uh, Bradley Peacock Farrell his debut while he was at Leeds. Um, he was then at Mansfield. Uh, he went to Peterborough ditched Mansfield mid-season and went to Peterborough, mind you, signed two days later. And well, at Peterborough was, gee, charged by the Football Association for comments to an official um, that were so bad that Peterborough fired him uh, three days after the FA charged him. Um, that's okay. He went to Gillingham, where he has also since been charged with abusing officials. So Steve Evans is he a getting jobs. piece of shit. I, I like that's like I I had noticed that he was the mayor. I like I had assumed he was just kind of out of football, but no, he's getting jobs. Yeah, he's not looking real good either. Like uh, the years have weighed heavily upon him, and that's not a fat joke. You know, it's funny. He he's got multiple like to get Boston United to where he did was really impressive, and sure. and to get multiple. Uh, promotions with Rotherham was very impressive. I, I think Steve Evans knows how to put together a squad and motivate people, but I just think he really kind of overestimates stuff. I found multiple quotes from different games where he talked about how his team was playing chess and that's why they won the game. I said, I, you know, okay, Steve. Um, basically what this comes down to, and this is the last interesting Wednesday note is that, they're going to lump it long. They're going to go deep. They're going to try to get crosses uh, for a man named Vidane Oliver, or perhaps Vidane Olivier, uh, who I do not recall. He was a former Wednesday youth player and actually signed a professional contract Wednesday. He's a Sheffield boy. Um, 
he never actually made an appearance with uh, Wednesday, but he's got five goals this year. He's six, two, he's big in the box and he gets up in the air uh, dominates. He has uh, 12 aerial victories a game, whatever that stat is. And it's second on his team is like three. Um, so there's a couple other names to mention. Uh, John Akinde uh, is probably the other forward. Danny Lloyd is a left winger who's, who's showed some production this year. And they're sort of attacking central midfielders, a guy named Kyle Dempsey, who again, hasn't really done much um, this year. This is a shitty team. Again, what was my quote? Uh, dumb, dumb, shitty, boring club, whatever it is. They're going to lump it long to their massive guy in the middle and hope that he can do some damage. I, I really hope Shea Dunkley is back. Shea Dunkley will put uh, the Dane, Oliver, or perhaps Olivier. Um, Patty, what's the uh, Sheffield pronunciation of that name? <laughs> uh, we'll put him <laughs> uh, Oliver, Olivier. Uh, Shea Dunkley will hopefully put him in his pocket and eliminate uh, any of their chances. This is not a good football team. There's zero excuse for us to not smash two or three past them and win in a cakewalk, which as we know, it does not happen to this team, no matter what league or division we're in. What's a Terrigate town? Like, I don't know if I can call that a cakewalk. I wouldn't. We, they, that, they could have, that game could have gone either way. <laughs> right? Patty, uh, do we have any other business? Any meetups? I think uh, New Orleans are meeting up this weekend. Uh, the few of us from New York are going to be in Vegas this weekend, like I said, a few weeks ago. Uh, there's one, two, three, four New York Owls in Vegas this weekend uh, for this game against Gillingham. So if someone has a, an idea of where we could watch the game or where we could plug in a laptop to watch the game, let us know. Do you, Patty, do you think there's, so you're going to Vegas, do you think there's any place that may have a television? I've heard there's a few like things. <laughs> or some uh, alcohol, perhaps. But, yeah, I've heard there's some places that have bars. I'm not sure. Yeah. All right, well, good luck. I hope you find a place like that. Yeah. <sighs> You're listening to episode 156 of the Owls Americast. That's on the internet at owlsamericas.com. Email the show at owlsamericas at gmail.com. Find and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at owlsamericas. Our podcast intro and bumpers by fellow NCIS Reverend and the Makers. Podcast is on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Podbean, probably anywhere else you choose to download podcasts. There's no wrong way to listen to the show. Just do what feels right. Wherever you choose to consume the Owls Americast, we ask that you rate and review this show that helps more Wednesdays find our ramblings. Justin is on Twitter at New England Owl. Uh, Justin, if you perhaps needed a, a meal or, or a place to sit and watch a little Sheffield Wednesday in Las Vegas, where would you head to? Sports bar at the Bellagio. Good, good call. One of the better sports books out there, yeah. Yeah, um, sure. Patty's on Twitter at New York Owls and at Patty A. Jones. Uh, out of curiosity, uh, what color are you painting these uh, steps, Patty? <laughs> Blue. You're so concerned to paint that you. Uh, but what shade of blue has been this podcast? What, what shade, shade of blue, blue is the, uh, the controversial point, Jeffrey, mm. which has been a much uh, argued point in my house all the last week, sir. So. I'm on Twitter at Jeff Paternostro, and I like a nice cerulean blue whenever possible. Mm.